American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Throw it all away. This is American Timelines, and I'm Amy, and that's Joe. And You're not even gonna welcome anybody to it? Nope. They're here. They're queer. Get used to it. Yeah, you guys are all queer. Thank you for listening. <laughs> all right. Um No, and I do wanna say we're in this we're in like day sixty, fifty of this quarantine. Something. I have lost track. This pandemic. Uh take care of each other. Help each other out. Just relax. Yes. Stop being mean and let's all be nice. And let's all seriously. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Yeah. Don't go anywhere unless you have to. You don't really have to go to Bow Ricks. You don't need the mall to be open. Everybody's panicking. I gotta get to the mall. The nobody, mall. nobody went to the mall nobody, before. Nobody's been to the happened. mall since 1989. Yeah, they're reopening malls, and everybody Are can't wait. And everybody's rushing. Are they the really? Doors. Yeah. Because they, oh, I haven't been able to go to the mall. Oh, it's a nostalgic you, thing. Well, you didn't go to the mall before. Yeah. You don't want to go to the mall. You just think you need to because you can't that's right yeah all right it's like you somebody puts a giant cookie in front of you yeah you don't really want a cookie but they're like hey don't eat this cookie right i want to eat that fucking cookie it's reverse psychology eat that goddamn cookie okay so today we're gonna talk about 1968 yes we are in fe- well we finished well we got into march yeah we're in march of 1968 Yes. My name's Joe, and I am an Adonis. All right. Yes, I'm a good-looking man, a lot of people tell me. And Amy is beautiful. She is looking good in this quarantine. Amy's getting up every day, putting on makeup, and dolling herself all up for no reason. But we're going to jump right into March of 1968. Should I just let myself go and lay around like my own filth? You know what? you got a ways to go. You could let yourself go for months, and you'd still be cute. So should we try it? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm. I've clearly let myself go. Yeah, I no. look like a. Uh, I look like a uh, a janitor. Uh, a 1960s like a janitor. Mini- miniature version of Ed Kemper, a little bit. The co-ed killer. Is that one of your murderers? Yeah. yeah. No, you probably like that. No, I. You do like not. murders. All right. Anyway, if you recall, we had to stop towards the end of March. I was going to finish March, but I had a big long one coming up mm-hmm. that I did. I just had to kind of go through and kind of shorten it a little bit, or go through it, and I didn't because it's good, but it's a long thing. And okay. I don't think we had time to. So I'm going to jump right into this. All right. You'll be right. This will be up your alley. All right. I'm excited. Well, don't get too excited. Oh, look at them nipples. Saturday, March 30th, 1968. So those were my nipples. Two boys playing in a deserted and rat-infested tenement mm-hmm. in New York mm-hmm. found the body of a 31-year-old drug addict. Ooh. A year and a half later. Whoa. His body was... No, his no. a year and a half later, they identified him. They, they couldn't oh. figure out who he was. Oh. He wasn't identified for a year and a half later. And the body was identified then of, of, as that of child actor Bobby Driscoll. 
Oh, no. You know who that is? I've heard that Remember name. that name? Academy Award winner and voice of Peter Pan. Oh, no. In the Disney thing, the Disney Peter Pan. Oh, my Pan. God. That's that how kid. he died? <clears throat> that's how, yeah, that's how he was found. Oh, Jesus. 31 years old in a rat-infested tenement alone. Like, Oh, my God. <clears throat> so after he left the Disney studios, Driscoll's parents withdrew him from uh, Hollywood Professional School, which served child movie actors, and they sent him to a public school. Oh, no. Westwood University High School instead. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know how kids are. Yes. Which I still don't get it. You know, to this day, I think, like, the same thing like the Star Wars kids yeah i know like they were bullied and ridiculed oh are you darth vader i was like he was darth fucking vader he's cool yeah. as fuck why wouldn't you love why it why wouldn't you love it i don't know but they pick Je- on him so, jealousy um so there his grades dropped substantially he was the target of ridicule for his previous film career and he began to take drugs oh. uh, later he said the kids didn't accept me uh i tried desperately to be one of the gang but they when they rejected me i fought back become became belligerent and cocky and i was afraid all the time at his request, Driscoll's parents returned him the next year to Hollywood Professional School, mm-hmm. where in May 1955 he graduated. However, his drug use increased. Mm. By 1957, he had only had two television parts, uh, uh, and they are not very big deals. Mm-hmm. Um, he he got married. He got divorced. They had a couple kids, and mm-hmm. he only had a few movie roles this whole whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he was charged with disturbing the peace and an assault with a deadly weapon. The latter, after hitting uh, hitting with a pistol, one of two hecklers who made insulting remarks while he was washing a girlfriend's car. The charges were dropped. Um, then he had a few small roles on short-lived TV shows. Mm-hmm. And then in late 1961, he was sentenced as a drug addict and imprisoned at the Narcotics Rehabilitation Center of the California Institution for Men in Chino, California. Mm-hmm. When Driscoll left Chino in early 1962, he was unable to find acting work. So in 1965, once his parole expired, he went to New York City. He hoped to like revive his career. He just like, I'll go and do Broadway. Mm-hmm. But he was unsuccessful. Then he fell into Andy Warhol's group. Oh, God. Uh, his Greenwich Village art community known yeah. as The Factory. Yeah. Where he started focusing on his artistic talents. He was kind of good. Mm-hmm. A previous artist, Wallace Berman, you ever heard of him? No. He, he had previously encouraged him to do art and stuff. And so, uh, and some of his works were considered outstanding. And a few of his surviving collages and cardboard mailers were temporarily exhibited in L.A. at the Santa Monica Museum of Art. But in 1965, early in his tenure at the factory, Driscoll gave his last known film performance in uh, experimental filmmaker Piero Helizer's underground movie Dirt. And that's the last anybody's heard of him. Mm-hmm. In late 1967 or early 68, the penniless Driscoll left the factory and disappeared into Manhattan's underground. Oh. On March 30th, 1968, about three weeks after his 31st birthday, two young boys playing in a deserted East Village tenement at 371 East 10th Street found his body lying on a cot with two empty beer bottles and religious pamphlets scattered on the ground. Oh, jeez. The medical examination determined that he had died from heart failure caused by advanced hardening of the arteries due to his longtime drug abuse. Mm-hmm. There was no identification on the body, and photos taken of it and shown around the neighborhood yielded no positive ID. Nobody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So when Driscoll's body went unclaimed, he was buried in an unmarked pauper's grave in New York City's Potter's Field on Hart Island. Oh, my God. Yes, that's awful. That's this awful. Poor, this poor little Peter Pan. 
1969, about 19 months after his death, mm-hmm. Driscoll's mother sought the help of officials at the Disney Studios to contact him for a hoped-for reunion with his father, who was nearing death. Mm-hmm. And this resulted in a fingerprint match at the New York City Police Department, which located his burial on Hart Island. Oh. Although his name appears on his father's gravestone at Eternal Hills Memorial Park in Oceanside, California, it is a cenotaph because his remains are still buried on Hart Island. Driscoll's death was not reported until the re-release of his first Disney film, Song of the South, in 1971, when reporters researched the whereabouts of the film's major cast members and his mother revealed the tragic outcome. Oh my gosh, that a, was a ride. Yeah, that's sad. Oh, Bobby yeah. Driscoll. That is sad. I guess I never heard that. I bet my mom knows that story. You think she knows that story? Yeah, I bet she does. What happened to the Peter Pan guy? Yeah. Well, if she's listening, Mary, if you're listening, tweet us at History for Jerks. She's not a tweet. Know, you know, yeah. Figure out how to do Twitter. I don't even know how to tweet. So she really isn't going to know how to tweet. Yeah, I barely know how to tweet, too. Yeah. Well, send us a Snapchat, Mary. All right. All right. Uh, and then March 30th, Saturday, 1968, a day after buying a... 243 caliber rifle and telescopic sight from Aero Marine Supply, a gun shop in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Escaped convict James Earl Ray would exchange the weapon for a more powerful rifle, the 3006 Remington Game Master. Yep. The new rifle would be found five days later near the site of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Which I'm going to discuss. You're going to have a little bit on that, yes. more James Earl Ray stuff. And then Sunday, March 31st, 1968. Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson, announced in a nationally televised address that he would not seek re-election as president of the United States. One historian would write later that speech was a political event that would wreck not only the Democratic Party, but the liberal consensus that Democrats had forged in the 60s. Now, was it an election year? Yeah. So that would be like right now. The president saying. I'm not going to run. Well, and you know what he said? He said he wasn't running because he's. He's got too much on his plate. He said, it's not fair for me to be campaigning yeah, when we have this so Vietnam going War on. going on. We yeah. have this tragedy. So can you imagine Trump saying, like, oh, well, i got to focus on this pandemic. Yeah. I can't be holding rallies, you know. My God, no. He would no. never do that. He would never, never. do that. So Johnson began speaking from the White House at 9 in the evening and conf- continued for 35 minutes and describing why he had committed to fighting the war. And then he spoke about his own career. The people still listening at 9.40 p.m. were stunned when Johnson concluded his address by saying, with America's sons in the fields far away, with America's future under challenge right here at home, with our hopes and the world's hopes for peace and the balance every day, with my penis out, I do yeah. believe that I should devote an hour a day of my time. I, sh- I do not believe that I should devote an hour a day of my time to any personal partisan causes or to any duties other than the awesome duties of this office, the presidency of your country. Accordingly, I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Jeez. I can't imagine anybody doing that now. But so, but instead of, you know, before we make him out to be completely noble, who knows? Like, he might have known. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else was going on? Like, oh, I know. He might have known his popularity was tanking or yeah. whatever else. So, um. And then uh, on April 1st, Monday, 1968, Mm -hmm. April Fool's Day, the FTC issued a cease and desist order to Campbell's Soup Company for using using marbles in their soup ads. The marbles were placed in the bottom of the soup to push the solid ingredients to the top, which was considered deceptive. 
Oh, in the bowl? In the bowl. Uh, like in, in the their commercial? ads, in their pictures. Oh, okay. In, in ads. Yeah. Huh. So you can't use marbles anymore. Oh. I, that's something I never know. I didn't either. That's why I put that in there. And then Monday, mm-hmm. April 1st, 1968. Yeah, that's still the same day. Oh, that same day. That same April 1st. Also, the 249th and final original episode of The Andy Griffith Show aired on CBS two days after Andy Griffith's retirement was revealed to the general public. Oh. The final episode was a, po- a pilot for Mayberry RFD with the focus on Ken Berry and his fourth appearance as Sam Jones. I don't know what Mayberry RFD was. So, yeah, I didn't either, so I kind of looked it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so during the whole final season of The Andy Griffith Show... They started making it about widower farmer Sam Jones, played by Ken Berry, oh. and his young son Mike. Probably buddy, after play, it jumped the shark. Played by Sounds Buddy Foster. Like yeah, so they're trying to make it about these guys yeah. and get new leads and do a spinoff. They're introduced and gradually become the show's focus. Sheriff Andy Taylor takes a back seat in the storylines, establishing the new premise. The show's first episode, Andy and Helen's Wedding, had the highest ratings in recorded television history up to that point. Sheriff Taylor, newlywed wife Helen, made guest appearances on Mayberry RFD until late 1969 before they relocated with Opie. Mayberry RFD, which stands for Rural Free Delivery, oh, uh, was popular through its entire run but was canceled after its third season, CBS's Rural Purge from 1971. Oh. Did you know they had a rural purge? No. They got rid of like Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, all the rural shit. Yeah. They just got rid of all that, even though it was all popular. Really? Like, there was a big uproar. Like, this, this is what we all watch. Yeah. They're like, no. That was what everybody loved. No more of this bullshit. Little House on the Prairie and stuff. Yeah. Um, God, I loved Little House on the Prairie. Well, I think Little House on the Prairie came later. Wasn't that more 80s? Oh, maybe it was 70s. 80s. I don't know why you liked that. That uh, It nothing... was awful. I, I I don't know why I liked it either. I got a headache. As soon as that came on, I'd be like, But I, I remember, it reminds me of being homesick. Really? Or something. Uh. It was like, No, it was on after dinner. Or around dinner time or something. I just remember when that was on. I was like, it was like four o'clock p.m. I think our time. But yeah. I just was always ugh. There's nothing I'd rather. I would rather do anything else than watch a Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, maybe it was a girls thing. Must be. I don't get it. Whatever. It's about God Laura Ingalls. So why would you it. like? I don't even it. know who that is. Tuesday, April second, nineteen sixty. I thought it was about Michael Landon and his ninety-two pounds of hair. No, it was he had about a giant Laura mane. Ingalls. It was about. She was in love with Michael Landon? Mm-hmm. She was his daughter, you weirdo. Oh, well, what did she do? Like, what was her thing? Was she a singer or they something? They were pioneers. Did no, she just, like, skip across a prairie? Yeah, they had adventures in the prairie and like, stuff. What kind of adventures? You know, there's bears, stuff like that. Like she atta- she fought bears and stuff? Yeah. She they, There was some was it other characters in the town. Are you town? saying it's action-packed? The Olsons and Nellie. Nellie Olson was a, such a bitch to Laura. Oh, I wanted to beat Nellie up. She yeah. had the b- banana curls. She was the, the one that was always really nice dressed. Uh, and gosh. I wanted to beat her up. She was such a bitch. I want to snap my own neck just listening to this. I know. Well, you asked. Well, Tuesday, April 2nd, 1968, Stanley Kubrick's classic film, 2001 A Space Odyssey premiered at the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. I guess I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick asked journalists to refer to 2001 A Space Odyssey as 2001 instead of 2001, hoping it would influence the pronunciation of that year. And it did. It did. Nobody says 2001. Nobody does. 
Produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick. The screenplay was written by Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke. And it was inspired by Clarke's short story, The Sentinel, and other short stories by Clarke. What? Have you seen that? I haven't. Have you? It is so bizarre. Is it weird? Yes. It starts in the caveman days. Did it come true? This is what, 2001 happened? No, but it starts with cavemen. And and the whole first... Is it good? The whole first half hour or something crazy. I know people are screaming about this because I don't remember very much about it, but it was like the whole first big chunk is I'll just you, cavemen and there's no dialogue at all. Really? Mm-hmm. That's right up my alley. A lot of people lately have been telling me that every time we mention that, oh, somebody's probably screaming at us, they are mm-hmm. screaming at us. I know. Like Dan Briggs th- takes his shoe off and hits his dashboard of his car. <laughs> Even if that. he's not listening to it in his car. He'll be in his house and he'll grunt and take his shoes off and throw them inside his car. Yeah, Dan Briggs gets real mad. Like, he breaks things in his house. He's suing us okay. for things he's broken in his house because when yeah. we're wrong so much. Yeah. Um, also, Gwen. Gwen Lorenzen's listening. She's the best. Well, Gwen, I think she got married. But she likes our podcast. Okay. Anyway, the screenplay, uh, I said the screenplay was written by the film, which follows a voyage to Jupiter with a sentient computer, Hal, after the discovery of a featureless alien, Monolith, affecting human evolution deals with themes of existentialism, human evolution, technology, artificial intelligence, and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Yes. I think I would like it. The film is noted for its scientifically accurate depiction of the space flight, pioneering special effects and ambiguous imagery. Sound and dialogue are used sparingly and often in place of traditional cinematic and narrative techniques. I think I tried to watch it once, maybe in college. Or I might have watched it in college. I watched but- it in film class. Yeah, I probably did too. I was in a film class, but I fell asleep all the time. You were stoned all the time in film. Well, I and I partied a lot, so I was tired. Mm-hmm. In fact, like I remember, I slept completely through Citizen Kane. I slept through the oh whole thing. Oh my god! And I just recently rewatched. It. I was like, shit, that's a good movie. That yeah, I slept through in college. I wasn't smart enough or mature enough to appreciate yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of bad choices. I know, especially in. Wait a minute. The uh- sex arena. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, the film is noted for its scientifically accurate depiction. I already said that. The film received diverse critical responses, ranging from those who saw it as darkly apocalyptic in tone to those who saw it as an optimistic reappraisal of the hopes of humanity. The film garnered a cult following and became the highest grossing North American film of 1968. Yep. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Kubrick won for his direction of the visual effects. It's, it's good. It's it, just so strange. It's one. It's supposedly one of the greatest and most influential films ever made. Yeah. In 1991, it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. Yeah. And selected for preservation of the National Film Registry. Okay. In 2010, it was named the greatest film of all time by the Moving Arts Film Journal. Really? Whoever that is. Yeah, so you're knocking it, and uh, guess what? I'm not knocking it. It's a good movie. It's It's the greatest movie of all time. Don't say it's a good movie. It's the greatest movie of all time. Okay. From now on, it's just a refer to bizarre it. Bizarre in the beginning. There. Are you saying the greatest movie of all time is bizarre in the beginning? That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That brings us to Thursday, mm-hmm. April fourth. Oh, yeah. Nineteen sixty-eight. Yes, sad day. When it was a sad, sad day, 
because on Bewitched, after Darren, in a fit of frustration, says that they should tell everyone about Sam being a witch, she she makes him dream about that very situation and the reactions of their friends in the U.S. government. And it was so sad. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, but it was also sad because it one was, of the worst things ever happened. Yep. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Right. Yes. Is there any conspiracy theories about this? Yeah. There is? There is one, yes. So I got most of my information from History.com. A, History.com. A Guardian article from 1968. Okay. Wikipedia. Who's the author of that Guardian article? I don't know. It was from 1968. It was like an archive. I oh, sorry. Even see it. So, okay. I apologize. So Martin Luther King had be, had started receiving death threats about 10 years before his assassination. Okay. There were two serious attempts on his life. In 1966, okay. a knife was hurled at him as he was speaking at a park in Chicago. Yeah, I think we talked about that. And then in point. January 1957, a bomb placed on the porch of his home in Montgomery, Alabama, failed to explode. Oh, the man. fuse burned out just before reaching a dozen sticks of dynamite bundled together. You know, that just shows you how brave he was because he, he knew yeah. they were out to get him. He knew he was going to end this way. Yeah. But he kept doing he it. He kept doing it. And he... He had to. He yeah. was call, He was like the chosen one or something. Yeah. Just after 6 o'clock p.m. on April 4th, Martin Luther King was fatally shot while he was standing on a balcony outside his second-story room at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. He was in Memphis to support a sanitation worker's strike and was on his way to dinner when a bullet struck him in the jaw and severed his spinal cord. <sighs> he was pronounced dead after arrival at a Memphis hospital. He was 39. He was only 39. Yes. I'm three years older than that unbelievable genius. I know. And I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's right. Recently, Martin Luther King had become increasingly concerned about the problem of economic inequality in America. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had organized a poor people's campaign as a result, which included a march on Washington. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that in the last couple episodes. And in March 1968, he traveled to Memphis to support the African-American sanitation workers who had been poorly treated. On March, I thought we said. I thought we looked up, and it was he was supporting everyone. It was just yes, poor, he was, white but, and black. but he, that's why he went there. Yeah, but it was African American and white people. I think this I was thought. an African American sanitation workers that were poorly treated in this. Oh, specific they. Oh, I situation. see. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. No, I'm okay, sorry. You're so right. on on March twenty eighth. Yeah. Do you have anything for that? Well, you didn't give me that date, but oh, I didn't. No, that's all right. Well, it, it kind of muddles it up let me but, just go ahead but we already talked about march 28th that was the same day that something happened in the last episode okay there was a workers protest march led by king which ended in violence and the death of an african-american teenager yeah we talked about that last episode that's right yep. king left the city but said he would return early in april to lead another demonstration oh okay so he left after that happened the boy died that 14 yeah. he was like 14 I yeah think. i can't remember his name on april 3rd April 3rd, yes. 1968, the same day that Roy Clark was on Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, my God. He played Cousin Roy from back home, and he comes to visit and open up a distribution point for Mother Myrtle's tonic. Granny isn't very keen on any competition against her own tom- tonic. And Roy Clark played yes. uh, Mother Myrtle also. That was the strangest show. It's so weird. Country stuff. Country Hee-haw culture. Hee-haw was stream. so weird. Hee-haw and all that stuff. I just don't get. Like, I know. I mean, it was as, like a variety show. I know. But it was it's just in a like, corn patch. and country, like that country bumpkin themed. I just don't some, get it. It kind of smacks of racism somehow. Yeah. Like maybe they're not. not. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, but they're it, it just like. It does at the same time. It does. Like I, 
Like, it just makes me uncomfortable. I know. All right, anyway. Anyway, back to MLK. Um, that was, um, yes, on April 3rd, back in Memphis, King gave his last sermon, saying... So some people weren't listening to it. Well, maybe it wasn't nationally televised. It was like during that, this country show, Bill yes. and the Hillbillies was on. He said, we've got some difficult days ahead, but it do- it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and... And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get there to the promised land. The next day, Dr. King was shot and killed by a sniper. Riots soon broke out as word of the assassination spread. And the National Guard was actually sent to Memphis and D.C. to quell the riots. Yeah, I'll bet. And I'll bet. it was I'll like the, the photos, nuts. it was like buildings were rubble. Oh, that yeah. was how bad the riots were. Like there was buildings just that were rubble. And there was army in the streets. And well, he was the, he was the hope and everything. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it was bad. I can't even imagine living through this. The next day, um, wait a minute, I already said that. He was buried on April 9th in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Tens of thousands of people attended his funeral. Oh, are you kidding? He was buried the same day? Oh, give that day. You didn't give me that I'm date. I'm sorry. I went to, I skimmed That's okay. It. He was buried the same day. Insert stupid show that was on All right. here. On the night King was murdered, they found a Remington 3306, however you fuck, fucking say that. Well, I don't know if I even said it right. Hunting rifle. Yeah. On the sidewalk beside a rooming house one block from the Lorraine Motel. Really? I wonder why they would have left it. Police said the assailant dropped the weapon while running down Main Street about a block from the shooting. Uh. He apparently jumped into a white car and drove away. Police chased the car and a civilian who had a police radio started chasing the fleeing car as well. Really? And started shooting at it. What? But the car got away. So Who's then, that civilian? I haven't I heard of that. That was in the 1968 article. Really? I found that. And but they never said who it was. Mm-mm. Man. Um, the, they ran the fingerprints from the rifle, and that, along with eyewitness reports, led authorities to James Earl Ray. Okay. Ray was a small-time criminal who escaped from a Missouri prison in April of 1967 while he was serving it. a sentence for a holdup. Yeah, so all this time, like, you know, I've, we all know about... The MLK killed me. I don't know James Earl Ray, but I didn't know he was a, a prison escapee until yeah. we were doing this podcast. Yeah. That's, a, that's fascinating to me. So the manhunt was on. The FBI... Oh. <coughs> okay, say that again. Sorry. The manhunt was on. The FBI traced Ray's whereabouts and found that he had obtained a fake Canadian passport, which was pretty easy at the time to do. It was? Yeah. The search ended on June 8th when Scotland Yard arrested Ray at... Wait. It ended on June 8th, the same day that the prisoner and the newlywed game were on? The same day that the funeral of Robert F. Kennedy took place in Washington, D.C., two days after his death, yep. after which he was buried in Arlington National Cemetery adjacent to the grave of his brother, JFK? Wait a minute. Robert F. Kennedy died around the same time? Mm-hmm. Oh. And I talk about that a little bit, okay, too. Okay, sorry. The search ended on June 8th when Scotland Yard arrested Ray at an airport in London. He was attempting to fly to Belgium and wanted to even eventually get to Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, okay. which was at the time ruled by an oppressive and internationally hated white minority government. Oh, it was? Mm-hmm. Ray was extradited to the U.S., then went to court in March of 1969 and pleaded guilty to King's murder in order to avoid the electric chair. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison. He then attempted to withdraw his guilty plea, saying he was innocent and was a patsy in a larger conspiracy. According to Ray, in 1967, a mysterious man named Raul 
had approached him and recruited him in a gun-running enterprise. He said that on April 4th, 1968, he realized he was going to be the fall guy for the King assassination and fled to Canada. The motion was denied, and for the next 29 years, he would make dozens of similar requests for a new trial, and all were denied. Really? So he says he didn't even do it? Yeah. He's just a patsy? Yeah. In the 90s, Coretta Scott King, King's widow, and children spoke publicly in support of Ray. Really? And what he claimed. What? Saying they thought he was innocent, and they speculated about a conspiracy between the U.S. government and military. I believe that. It is well known that J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI, had been obsessed with King for years, thinking he was under communist influence. For the last six years of his life, King endured constant wiretapping and harassment by the FBI. Yeah, but he did. Shortly before his death, King was also monitored by the U.S. military intelligence. Some speculate this was because he denounced the Vietnam War in 1967. Oh, okay. Also because he called for radical economic reforms in 1968. Yes. Including guaranteed annual income for all. Yes, which we should have. King was not making any friends in the Cold War era U.S. government. Right. The government doesn't like... Once it comes to money, it's always about money. I know it is. I knew there had to be money and power. Yeah. As soon as you're talking about helping the poor... You got a target on your back. Then this guy named Lloyd Jowers shows up on Lloyd Jowers, y'all. On TV. He was he was the owner of James Grill, a restaurant near the Lorraine Motel. Okay. In nineteen ninety three, he appeared on ABC News program Primetime Live and related the details of an alleged conspiracy involving the mafia and the US government to kill the civil rights leader. Really? Jowers told reporter Sam Donaldson that he hired someone to kill King as a favor to a friend in the mafia. Jowers did it? Yeah, po- produce merchant Frank Liberto. Jowers said Liberto who had died prior to the ABC interview had paid him $100,000 to arrange the assassination. He did not name the person he claimed to have hired but said it was not Ray. What? A jury in Memphis ruled during a civil trial brought by the family that King was killed by a vast conspiracy. A civil trial. Really? A civil trial did. It ruled that? Yeah. Over the years, the assassination has been re-examined by different bodies who all came to the same conclusion that James Earl Roy killed Martin Luther King. Oh. The House Select Committee on Assassinations said that a low-level conspiracy may have existed and Ray might have had accomplices, but there was never any evidence that proved that theory. In addition to the huge amount of evidence against him, including his fingerprints on the murder weapon and his admitted presence at the rooming house on April 4th, Ray had a definite motive for assassinating King. He was a huge racist who hated him. Oh. He had even told his family and friends that he was going to kill him. He did? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well. He, he died in 1998. But um, yeah. I went to... How did he... He died in prison? Yeah. But um, I, I went to this... Course, I found yeah. this... Um, he Web- just died of old age. He wasn't murdered or anything? No. Okay. I found this website that it's called Worker's World. It was okay. like a it was like a pamphlet from like a but they pamphlet I, from I, like a what? Like a working workers group, like a union, labor okay. union kind okay. of group or something. Sorry. And um I have a quote from them that I wanted to to end this with. Okay. King's death came the same year as the assassination of Robert Kennedy immediately after he won the crucial California primary, assuring him the Democratic presidential nomination. It came three years after the shooting down of Malcolm X, who was building an anti-imperialist movement among African Americans in solidarity with the oppressed all over the world. It came five years after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, who, although himself a true blue capitalist, had angered the far right on Cuba, Vietnam, and his domestic policy. 
These assassinations were planned by professionals who covered their treks with the help of the bourgeois political establishment and the media. In every case, the involvement of some element of the state has since been uncovered. They were meant to change the course of U.S. history. They didn't succeed. They merely changed its tempo. The civil rights movement that King led and inspired had thousands of leaders and millions of stalwarts. The struggle continued and finally brought down the Jim Crow laws. But the bigger problem, that of a system in which racism is nurtured in order to keep a whole people super exploited by bosses and landlords, goes on. This, this class of exploiters protects the individuals and, most importantly, the institutions that killed Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty right on to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think he did it. I think he did do it. You think he did do but it? I, I think, but he was part of this. Yeah. Like they put him up to it probably. Something. Because Hoover hated him. Yeah. And, and was like all those, he was wiretapping his hotel rooms But and let's stuff. just say the FBI did it or whatever. But or bugging him. How do they find a, a patsy like this? Like where do they find this guy? Right. I don't know. Like where do you look for, especially if he escaped from prison? Yeah. Did he escape or did they pluck him right out of prison? Like did they go yeah. to a prison and be like... Who's your most racist, you know, guy? Yeah, that could be. Let him out, like mm-hmm. sneak, you know, mm-hmm. keep tabs on him and like make him think he's, I don't know, who knows. I mean, that would be a the good way to do it. Yeah. Is to, to let out, like a find a real especially, racist prisoner. Especially, I don't know if it was like that then, but let all out. these private prisons now, you have control over all that. Yeah. You know, you can get anybody out whenever you want if you're a private prison run by the government, you know, the oh, rich really? people. I don't know. Well, that. all the private prison isn't it? Dick Cheney know. and all those guys have their own all the stock in private prisons. Well, yeah, I just didn't know you could get out whenever you want. They they could get you get you out. Oh no, I mean they they have control of the prisons. So they could do whatever they want. They could say, you know, they could okay let this guy out, and they would leave a door open, and he would escape. Oh, and like in, under surveil I him see or what whatever. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, they I can control what doors are open and who does what. That's true. It seems like it's all corrupt. I mean, what prison movie have you ever seen that? wasn't corrupt like yeah, the prison like orange the new black it's all corrupt them what's that one Z- Z- uh what's that oz yeah anyway i don't know so that brings that makes me wonder why i don't have i don't have robert kennedy's assassination assassination on here Oh, because it was in June. The funeral was, say, was in june we didn't get to june yet. okay that's what was, yeah i was gonna say that yeah because you were talking about june 8th because june 8th was when they caught Yes, James okay, Orr, yeah. June, yes. We're not to June yet, that's why. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Thanks for covering that. I know it wasn't as exciting. And not a lot of necrophilia. Happy as a murder, to yeah. My he didn't not have sex with any dead bodies. But I was more... That we know of. James was, Earl Ray maybe was a secret necrophile. He might have been. You but I wanted first. more info on just like the prison escaping and all that. Like, right. I don't know how much they know about that, but yeah. that's the part that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the conspiracy thing too makes you really think. Like, it's scary to mm-hmm. think of that. They can just take out anybody. That's why I was so scared for Obama because I believed in a lot of these, especially yeah. the JFK ones. It was like, yeah. they're not going to let that happen. They're yeah. not going to let a black president exist. I remember the night he yeah. won the inaugural or the I do too the acceptance the pr- speech yeah. or whatever. He was out in the open, yeah, and in giving Chicago. that speech outside, and I was like. I was just on the yeah, edge of my seat, scared. Like, he's going to be murdered right now on national television. We're all going to see it. And he didn't. Yeah. And he just, like, was 
dancing with Michelle and like waving everybody. I'm like, please get through this without yeah. being murdered. And he didn't get murdered. I couldn't believe it. And yeah. Eight years he didn't. I'm, I couldn't believe it. So I don't know. Yeah. Somebody let that happen. Maybe they needed to give people hope. Or maybe all this is conspiracy theories and it never happened. It's, it's so just hard a to crazy know. Person. You never know. You never know. Because maybe we're all just living in a matrix and none of this is real anyway. And then Monday, April 15th, 1968. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, that Charles Schultz, who did the Peanuts. Yeah. For a long time, he resisted adding a black character to the Peanuts. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought he should. Mm-hmm. But he thought, well, if I just add it just to add it, it might be seen as condescending if I just yeah. add it just to have inclusiveness. Um, but he added Franklin. Yeah. And on this date. <clears throat> and this, according to Adrian Florido at NPR, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Luther King had been dead 11 days. His assassination was fresh on her mind. Oh, that's a perfect time. Yeah, when Harriet when Harriet Glickman, a teacher raising three kids in suburban, suburban Los Angeles, sat down to her typewriter, and she typed, Dear Mr. Schultz, she wrote, Since the death of Martin Luther King, I've been asking myself what I can do to help change those conditions in our society which led to the assassination and which contribute to the vast sea of misunderstanding, hate, fear, and violence. Mr. Schultz was Charles Schultz. Glickman thought the creator of the popular Peanuts comic strip could play a small part in promoting tolerance and interracial friendship by including a black character in his mm-hmm. strip. She sent the letter, not expecting a reply. Schultz did write back to say he had considered her suggestion, but he worried that if he created such a character, black parents might think he was condescending to their families. Mm-hmm. With Schultz, Schultz's permission... Glickman asked two of her black friends to send him some ideas on how to make a black character relatable. A few weeks later, the cartoonist responded, You'll be pleased to know that I've taken the first step in doing something about presenting a Negro child in the comic strip during the week of July 29th, Schultz said. I have drawn an episode which I think will please you. Just like that, Franklin was born. His debut in 1968 drew praise from across the country, but also protests from Southern segregationists. God, those fucking people. I know. Jesus. Isn't that crazy? It's just a, it's a comic strip. It's a strip. fucking comic. It's a fucking Charlie Brown, goddammit. Oh. Schultz kept Franklin, but never developed him into a nuanced character as as the other Peanuts. Still, Glickman said his presence was remarkable in an era when the funny pages were overwhelmingly, if not completely white. Yeah. After adding Franklin, his syndicate tried to force Schultz to remove him. <gasps> and mm-hmm. he said, either you print it just the way I draw it or I quit. How's that? Oh, nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Charles Schultz. Yeah. It's a little tiny thing. Yeah. But it's something. I love peanuts. Now you love peanuts more, right? I do. <laughs> did you already love it or I now did. do you love it more? I do love it. I did love it already. I really love it. I love it. that music. Well, like, it's all you ever do. Like, all day long, you're drawing peanuts characters. No, you're, you're getting a little Charlie silly. Charlie Brown shirt. I used to have a Charlie Brown shirt with a yellow shirt with mm-hmm. a thing. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back after these messages. Hello, fellow podcast enthusiasts. My name is Rachel. And I'm Neil. And together we are a husband and wife duo and the hosts of Mad or Bad, a true crime podcast. 
Mad or Bad is a true crime podcast with a psychological twist, which takes a look at true crime cases from the UK and around the world. We cover murders, serial killers, disappearances, abuse scandals and much more. We have a special interest in murders local to where we live in England. However, we also love covering other lesser known cases from around the world. We also love discussing psychological phenomena and how it relates to true crime. So join us every Monday for a new true crime story where we discuss crime, murder, psychology and much more. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back to American Timelines by History for Jerks. Amy just wolfed down a bag of Cheetos, and we are ready to continue on. Yes, let's do it. For a little bit. Let's try to get through May. It depends on how much blabbing you do. Whoa. That was mean. Mm-hmm. May. Okay. I just want to tell you. Just be patient. There's a couple things about baseball. But I think, think of Brian McCartney before you get mad. Okay, He likes these things. The first one is Thursday, May 2nd. John Boozer of the Philadelphia Phillies became the first MLB player since 1944 and only the second in MLB history to be ejected from a game for violation of the spitball rule. And what's a spitball rule? You can't spit on the ball before oh. you throw it. Does that add to the... I guess it makes it harder to hit. Oh. Uh, only uh, he was coming in briefly as a relief pitcher in a 3 to nothing loss to the New York Mets. Only three other players, Nels Potter in 1944, mm-hmm. Phil Regan later in 1968, and Gaylord Perry in 1982. That's There's a guy name. named Gaylord Perry? Gaylord Perry. Yep. Oh they, they were all ejected from MLB games under the spitball rule. Hmm. There was a spitball rule. And then Saturday, May 4th, the 94th Kentucky Derby was won by? Um, Auntie's Trousers. Close. Dancer's Image. I was close. But, yeah, you were close. But this is actually significant because uh, despite the thoroughbred's history of pain in his ankles, jockey Bobby Usserly, Ussery rode to victory... Dancer's image and finished one and a half lengths ahead of forward pass. Mm. Three days after, Dancer's image would be disqualified after failing a drug test, and forward pass would be declared the winner. I you see, see. Uh, but you see, uh, there were traces of the painkiller phenylbutazone in Dancer's image. His blood, his urine. Oh, so. I don't know why they can't take they can't take painkillers. There's an old damn horse. I know they get injured. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah, sometimes horse racing. I don't know. My mom loves it. I don't get it. On May fifth, nineteen sixty eight. Oh, what was the first name of that guy? I told you to look up Decker Arthur Decker. No. Yes, I think it was Arthur Decker. You find that text real quick. Yes. Albert Decker. May 5th, 1968, Albert actor Albert Decker mm-hmm. uh, was found dead in his Hollywood home mm-hmm. by his fiance, 
fashion model and future love boat creator Geraldine Saunders. Yes. That was his wife. So now this guy the only I looked he did he's been, been a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. The only one I knew was one I recently watched called The Gentleman's Agreement mm-hmm. and he was like the boss. Like Gentleman's oh, Agreement okay. is like they hired Gregory Peck to write an ar- article about an- anti-semitism mm-hmm. and uh and he decides to pose as a Jewish guy and to live a life as a Jewish person. But his boss mm-hmm. is this guy. So I just watched a movie with him. Oh, Otherwise, wow. I wouldn't have heard of him. But this is significant because when he was discovered dead, he was naked, yeah, kneeling in the bathtub mm-hmm. with a noose tightly wrapped around his neck mm-hmm. and looped around the shower curtain rod. Mm-hmm. He was blindfolded. His wrists were handcuffed. There was a ball gag in his mouth, and two hypodermic needles were inserted in one arm. Yes. His body was covered in explicit words and drawings and red lipstick. Uh, yeah, yeah, Isn't that crazy and yes. fucked up? Like, you can't kill yourself doing all that, right? I, it, uh, I mean, to I, me, it's pretty obvious it was sex play gone wrong but somebody had to be there with them to put oh that's what i'm saying yeah somebody they were doing the sadomasochism thing and they probably accidentally killed him and we're like oh shit get out of here you don't think somebody just killed him and then put him in that weird thing i don't know i don't think so there was money and camera equipment missing Mm -hmm. but there was no sign of force entry yeah the coroner found no evidence of foul play and ruled his death accidental the result of autoerotic asphyxiation i can Mm -hmm. never say that Decker was See, they were mess- yeah. they were doing that and they accidentally killed him, I bet. You think? Mm-hmm. He was like doing it with somebody? Mm-hmm. Decker has you think it was his wife? No. No. Decker has a star in the motion picture category on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at sixty six twenty Hollywood Boulevard. Well, that's good. I'm glad he wasn't uh that maybe the death didn't eclipse the career. Yeah, I mean that's some crazy ass shit. Yeah, it is. People, some people are into some crazy shit. You think he was into it? You're not worried about James Earl? You don't think James Earl Ray did it? Maybe. Monday, May 6th, 1968, the sudden flooding of a coal mine at Hominy Falls, West Virginia. Hominy, Hominy, Hominy trapped 25 miners underground. Oh, yuck. 15 were rescued after being trapped for five days, but the other 10, who had not been heard from since the accident, were believed to have died. Ugh, Henry and I were just talking about how, like, the idea of tunnels underground is so creepy, oh, and yeah. caves underground and things. Yeah. Like, I have nightmares that I'm in an underground cave of some sort, and I can't get out. Adding to your nightmare, to the surprise of rescue workers, six of the ten men had survived nearly for a week and a half oh. in the flooded mine after they had built a barricade and rationed what food they had left. Oh, a week and a half in there? Yeah. And it was flooded? Yep. Um, I wonder how deep the water was. I don't know, but imagine having a ration of food. I want my Twinkies. I want the whole Twinkie. Yeah. God. And then Wednesday, May 8th. And somebody always goes crazy and in the middle of the night goes and sneaks a bunch of food. That happens every time. It happens every time, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Wednesday, May 8th, 1968. One other baseball thing. Jim Catfish Hunter of the Oakland A's. Hurled the ninth perfect game in Major League Baseball history. This okay. is what Brian McCartney would love. He gets like, if there's a perfect game, Brian McCartney is going to ejaculate. Everywhere. All right, I don't know. He if that's loves true. it. 
And this was the first in an American League game in more than 45 years. Like, picture mm-hmm. Brian McCartney. Like, it happened in 45 years. You've got to talk about that. Like, if I was going to skip this, he would be so mad. You've got 45 years. Yeah. Playing at home in a 4 nothing win over the Minnesota Twins, Hunter threw 11 strikeouts, including the last two players he faced, Bruce Look and Rich Reese. Mm. The feat was witnessed by only 6,298 pl- paying customers. The feat not of not allowing an opposing player to reach first base had last been accomplished in the majors by Sandy Koufax Kof- mm-hmm. on September 9, 1965. For the next 13 years, including the entire 70s, mm-hmm. no more perfect games would be hurled in the American Major Leagues until May 15, 1981 by... I don't know. Len Barker, duh. So they didn't score at all the whole game? Like, not only score, like nobody even got to first base. No walks... No hits, nothing. A perfect game. Brian McCartney would be so excited. He loves shit like that. Me personally, I think that's boring as fuck (laughs) because there's no hits. Like there's nothing. Like they just. But it's it's like the pitch. It's an amazing feat. It's an amazing feat. But if I'm at the game, Jesus Christ, why why don't I just watch the pitcher and the catcher play catch? Yeah. Seriously. Go play catch and I'll smoke a bowl. Yeah. All right. What's next? You know, give me some cocaine or something. Okay. You know what I mean? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't do cocaine. Also, that same day, Lawrence M. Clauber died. He was an 84 American, 84 year old American herpetologist and the world's foremost authority on rattlesnakes. Why are you talking about that? Well, you, I'm sure you want to know that guy's no longer in the world. So for our future oh episodes. And then Friday, May 10th, 1968, representatives of the U.S. and the North Vietnam met at Paris for the first time to discuss peace talks. Okay. And agreed that discussions would take place at the International Conference Center of the French Foreign Ministry, located in the former Hotel Majestic. And then Sunday, May 12th, Reginald Dwight, who played the piano for the English R&B group Bluesology. Mm -hmm. You know who this is? No. Well, Reginald Dwight chose the stage name that would make him famous while on an airplane flight back to London after his final concert with Bluesology in Edinburgh. After a discussion with his bandmates, Dwight chose to use the first names of saxophonist Elton Dean and lead vocalist John Baldry oh. to coin the pseudonym Elton John. Yeah. Tim Anderson would have known that. You yeah. think? Yep. And then May 13th, the Paris Peace Talks between the U.S. and North Vietnam opened at the Conference Center on Avenue Labor and would result in preliminary in a, a preliminary agreement. Mm-hmm. To end the war on October 27th. They're in May. And they say, well, let's end it in October. Oh. Meanwhile, they're all killing each other. Yeah, that's it. bizarre. I don't get war. Saturday, May 18th, 1968. This is from express.co.uk by George Simpson. John Lennon, after taking a large amount of LSD, called an emergency meeting of the Beatles to inform them that he was, in fact, Jesus Christ reincarnated. He did. He did. According to a book by their childhood friend, the memory appears in the book Magical Mystery Tour, My Life with the Beatles by Tony Bramwell and Rosemary Kingsland. Mm-hmm. So Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr are all headed over to the boardroom for Apple, the boardroom of Apple Records. Mm-hmm. It was there that Lennon announced, I've got something very important to tell you. I am Jesus Christ. I have come back again. This is my thing. In response, Ringo sighed and said, Right, meeting adjourned. Let's go have some lunch. So the Beatles drummer took Lennon to lunch only for a gushing fan to rush up to their table to meet him. Mm-hmm. Still high as a kite, he corrected the fan, saying, actually, I'm Jesus Christ. To which the confused fan replied, I still liked your last record. <laughs> 
And then May 18th, mm-hmm. 1968, Archie Bell and the Drells take over the number one spot with a song called Tighten Up. I don't, I might know it if I heard it. Tighten up. It's not right. Tighten up, a tighten up, a tighten up. You're just making me tighten up. up. I don't know what it, how it goes either, but that's the same day that Mattel's Hot Wheels toy cars were introduced. Oh, 1968. Barbie's around. Uh, did, we didn't talk. Did we talk about Barbie? Yeah, plenty of times. Wednesday, May 22nd, 1968. All 23 people on board Los Angeles Airways Flight 841. Mm-hmm. A Sikorsky S61L were killed in the worst helicopter accident in American history. Oh, why? As the aircraft crashed onto Minnesota Avenue in Paramount, California. The 20 passengers were being shuttled by the crew of three from Disneyland to L.A. International Airport and were halfway through the 32-mile trip when the helicopter exploded and broke apart at 547 in the afternoon. Oh, no. The dead included the mayor of Red Bluff, California, and eight members of a family from Canton and Steubenville, Ohio, Boy, if you, who were if, on vacation. If you die in that, it really was your time to go. Yeah, because only a few of you in that helicopter. I mean, what a freak accident to be like on the street below and all of a sudden a helicopter falls on you you, that was really your day to go yep a 20 month investigation by the national transportation safety board would conclude that one of the five blades on the main rotor came loose from the damper that held to the spinning rotor head Mm -hmm. then became entangled in the rotor throwing the other blades entirely out of balance the aircraft completely uncontrollably crashed in a near vertical descent oh the NTSB concluded and added it was a one in a million accident with no precedent. Oh, man. So you're right. It is your time to go. Yeah. And then Monday, May 27th in Chicago, baseball's National League voted to expand to 12 teams and awarded franchises to San Diego mm-hmm. and the first Major League Baseball team in Canada. The? Uh, um, Give me the what part of Canada? Montreal. The Montreal Expos. Yes, I have a hat. With both to begin play in 1969, with prospective owners to pay $10 million apiece. Bids from Buffalo, Dallas, and Milwaukee were rejected. Oh, poor guys. That same day, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the U.S. versus O'Brien that the burning of a draft card in protest does not constitute constitutionally protected free speech. Oh, really? Yep. And that concludes May 1968. There, there we go. See? It really wasn't that bad. Just a few little blurbs. We even talked about three baseball things. Yeah. And you didn't even hit me with it. You didn't even poke me with a fork. That's true. They were semi-interesting. So My genitals are completely intact. That's right. Can't all right. It. Well, it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Yeah, it is time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Thanks for listening to episode 110 of American Time Night. Yes, thank you for Please listening. Please purchase Matt Truman music. Yes. A lot of my friends say, who's that guy that does music? Yeah, go to Bandcamp. You can buy it. You can listen to a lot of previews. Just buy it. It's not expensive. And it's good shit. Yeah. You want to listen to it in your car with your windows down, shirt off. Matt Truman Ego Trip. Kicks ass. Good time. Thank you. We hit that stop button. I said, when you were all alone, no watchtower, a kiss in the sky Well, I was barely a glimmer in my young daddy's eyes And we're so tired of hearing about
tears One more time I said we're so tired of hearing about the sixties Well make me shut my mouth now Colin Baskin Ellis versus Jesse Town I used to get a for money for the president's ball American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Talk about pork.